Okay, good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining me today. It is December 28th. It is the first Monday after Christmas, and I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday and uh, got everything you wanted for Christmas and got to see the looks of delight on your family members' faces as you gave them their gifts. Um, today, we're going to be talking about defending medical provider claims in New Jersey, and my goal today is to make this as practical and useful as possible. Uh, so today I'm not going to be doing video, and the reason for that is I'm down here in Florida uh, enjoying some time with my family. Got to see my folks, and they got to see their grandkids, uh, and I didn't want anyone to have to get jealous and see the beautiful palm trees swinging in the breeze behind me today. So uh, you won't get to see my face, but we have put together a presentation on this topic. I'm going to try to be as quick as I can to go over sort of, sort of the basics and then answer as many questions as I, as I can. Uh, try to keep this presentation uh, about 10 to 15 minutes and then leave a lot of time for questions. I can see your questions pop up as you type them, so please uh, type them to me and I'll try to answer as many as I can at the end. Uh, this presentation is going to be about two things, basically. Medical provider claims. And we're going to talk about what's new, which is other state claims. We'll talk about what we mean by that. We're going to really talk about the impact of new case law decision, which came out in October 2020 which has really enabled us to get these cases dismissed uh, with no money moving. And I want to give you practical advice on how to get these cases dismissed with no money moving, what the results you can expect and how fast you should get them. I'm going to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about run-of-the-mill, did you get my pun, claims. Uh, the vast majority of medical provider claims, probably about two-thirds of our workload here, uh, which are just run-of-the-mill. They don't really have a jurisdictional or other state claim issue in them. And so we have to resolve them through uh, some annoying, time-consuming litigation and negotiation. And how do we bring those to quick closure? I also want to report that everything I'm going to talk about today is in our 2021 New Jersey Handbook in Chapter 9. If you haven't gotten our handbook yet, uh, you can download that instantly from our website, loisllc.com slash publications, and you can download that today and have it in your hands. And it really does cover everything that happened in 2020. Uh, we have a new chapter in there on COVID-19 claims, uh, as there is now a presumption in New Jersey in favor of COVID-19 claims. And we've talked about the October uh, 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 appeals decision, which has really changed the landscape for these medical provider claims that we're gonna be talking about today. So I'm gonna break this into two parts. First part is other state claims. Second part, we're gonna look at run-of-the-mill cases. So let's talk about other state provider claims. And these are your cases where they're bringing a medical provider claim against you in New Jersey, but maybe the workers' comp case is a New York comp case, or maybe there's a Philadelphia case, or a Pennsylvania case, or a Connecticut case. Maybe there was no underlying workers' compensation claim in New Jersey. So I'm calling those other state provider claims. And we all know the reason why these medical providers are having their wonderful patients come to New Jersey uh, they're coming here because New Jersey doesn't have a fee schedule. So we're seeing about one in five cases filed in New Jersey are now a medical provider claim. That means it's brought by a medical provider who is demanding additional payment from you, the insurance carrier or employer, alleging that they provided medical services to your injured worker and didn't get paid the right amount by you, and that they're entitled to more money. That's the basis of a medical provider claim. 
These claims are venued in workers' compensation courts, and they usually are demanding that you pay them what they call usual and customary, close quote, which is uh, the New Jersey reimbursement standard. The medical provider is entitled to their usual and customary fee. Now, that's a term of art that I'm going to define in a little bit, but obviously uh, providers love to have the treatment uh, or bring these claims in New Jersey because they know New Jersey does not have a fee schedule, and their corresponding states do. Uh, so they'll, we see New York doctors who tell their patients to come get their same-day surgery in New Jersey because the doctor knows that they can then make a claim or try to make a claim and be reimbursed at a usual and customary rate, which as we'll discuss is generally a lot higher than what they get paid in the adjoining state. These cases have a six-year statute of limitations, which means your workers' comp case could be done and closed for years and then all of a sudden you get whacked with a medical provider claim. Now, just in case you're wondering uh, what we do with most medical provider claims, most valid ones, we are resolving these out of court and then simply going into court and getting a voluntary dismissal of the cases. So for the run-of-the-mill or typical cases, these are relatively straightforward, but I'm not talking about those in the first part of this presentation. I'm, first, I'm gonna talk about cases uh, where the provider is bringing them because uh, they're in a state that has a fee schedule and they wanna try to uh, get a, a uh, additional or higher reimbursement from a New Jersey provider. So explosion of claims has occurred. Uh, again, in the last 10 years, we've seen this really fill up dockets in New Jersey. Biggest offenders we're seeing is doctor-owned same-day surgical centers, right? These are the uh, surgery centers that people go in for a quick meniscal repair, or they're going in for uh, minor labrum surgeries, or things like this, generally orthopedic and they're turning around and charging enormous amounts that would never be reimbursed under adjoining state fee schedules. Let me give you a quick example. Uh, this one's from case that we just handled. Typical knee surgery, arthroscopic meniscal repair. We're talking about a unilateral repair. Under the New York fee schedule, uh, that, that surgery would cost you the carrier $5,827 uh, because they had their New York claimant cross the river and have this done in a New Jersey same-day surgery center, they charge $61,862. Uh, that's about 10 times what it costs in the adjoining state. Uh, and that, again, is because New Jersey doesn't have a fee schedule. Now, the claimants, uh, the doctors or the medical providers are represented by attorneys. And they like to make the same arguments in all their cases. So first of all, there's lots and lots of these filings, including a lot of extraterritorial disputes meaning uh, it's a New York workers' comp case, but the uh, petitioner or the claimant or the, uh, the injured worker actually lives in New Jersey, got some treatment in New Jersey, and so now we have all these extraterritorial cases for medical provider claims filed in New Jersey courts. When they come into court, uh, generally speaking, if the attorney who represents the applicant or the provider even shows up, they have tons of these cases on the docket. Um, oftentimes, the treatment dates exceed years and years, and the judges in general don't really want to deal with them because it's just something that clogs up their docket. Uh, they're not excited to really, you know, get in there and conference these cases or try to resolve them. Really, most of them are resolved out of court anyway, but based on settlement. And sometimes the, when we'll argue, hey, this case doesn't belong here, judge. The claimant has a valid New York workers' compensation claim. And the only uh, association they have with New Jersey, maybe, is they live here. Whenever the only association they have with New Jersey is they got some treatment here. 
And in those circumstances, we'll be telling the judge uh, they should be going into New York workers' comp court to go get their payment if the provider feels they were unjustly reimbursed. Uh, there's a lot of fairness arguments that get made by our opposing counsel. They'll say, well, judge, if you don't do something, uh, this provider is going to be, you know, out of money. Or they'll say, judge, this isn't fair. You know, the, the person took advantage of this physician and got treatment in New Jersey as they wanted to, and now my doctor's left holding the bag. Or sometimes they'll say, judge, uh, you should decide in our favor or you should uh, uh, approve this demand I have, this usual and customary demand, because, well, other judges in New Jersey are doing it. And really, there hasn't been consistent case law on this. Another big driver, has, in my opinion, has been very lazy and inexperienced defense counsel that doesn't do a lot to fight against these claims. Um, you know, these, particularly the extraterritorial claims, really need to be disputed very much from the beginning and motions to dismiss should have been filed. That was our office's approach. That has now been validated with what's happened to uh, in the appellate division. So uh, we've overcome one of the most significant barriers, which is uh, the opposing counsel saying, judge, don't rule on this case because we're waiting maybe for some appeal court someday maybe to rule on things. Well, that's already happened. But there's other reasons why these cases don't close. And some of them are, in general, parties not ready to conference their cases. Again, lazy defense, not really pushing very hard to get them closed. Um, judges who are not interested or unwilling to conference them. Um, a lot of extraterritorial cases, the opposing counsel would tell the judge of compensation in New Jersey, well, judge, uh, I know you're asking about how much this bill was, it should be paid under the fee schedule, but we have to get that information. We don't know it or that's somehow impossible to access. Uh, oftentimes just obfuscating how the New York workers' compensation system works, maybe because counsel representing the applicants didn't even understand. So I think there's definitely a knowledge gap there. But all of these things added together have led to these cases proceeding quite slowly and not getting resolved quickly. Well, as of October 7th, 2020, there is now a decision made by the D division, uh, the appellate division of uh, the civil court in New Jersey, which says that New Jersey's Division of Workers' Compensation cannot decide medical provider claims unless it would have had jurisdiction over the actual workers' compensation claim, the underlying workers' comp claim for the injured worker. So to put that another way, the Division of Workers' Compensation must have jurisdiction over the underlying claim in order to decide the provider dispute over money uh, for the cost of treatment. The decision went further to say that residency alone is insufficient. It also said that treatment in New Jersey alone is insufficient to establish jurisdiction. So in your typical case where you have your New York workers' comp claimant who just happens to live in New Jersey, but in truth works, was injured in New York, is employed in New York, uh, the, their medical providers here in New Jersey do not have an avenue to file medical provider claims in New Jersey Workers' Compensation Court against you, the employer or carrier. What should you do? Our answer has been, it's been very consistent. We've been doing this for many years, filing motions to dismiss for lack of jurisdiction. Um, those motions, if you haven't already filed them in your extraterritorial cases, should be filed now. Let me give you a good example uh, that you can apply to your current caseload. Uh, the typical one we see is a New York Workers' Compensation claimant works in New York, the accident occurs in New York, but they live in New Jersey and they get medical treatment in New Jersey. It's paid for uh, under the fee schedule. You pay it under the New York fee schedule. 
and then their New Jersey medical provider files a claim against you, demanding that you owe them more money and that they should get usual and customary amounts. What should you do? Well, it's pretty simple. My argument is you should file immediately a motion to dismiss. The motion to dismiss should essentially quote the new case decision, uh, the Anesthesia Associates decision, which was issued on October 7th. But there's also uh, some New York law that I think you should quote as well, which is New York's fee schedule in its own general ground rules says that if the patient uh, lives in another state, the fee schedule still applies. But of course, the medical provider can go into the New York court and go before the New York Workers' Compensation Board and demand additional payment. Guess what? They're not going to get it. Um, it also addresses the fact that people could be living out of state and addresses how the relative value unit should be applied to any reimbursement. And there's also case law in New York. And there's not just one, there's not just two, but there's many cases which say that New York Workers' Compensation Board retains jurisdiction to decide medical provider disputes uh, that arise under New York workers' compensation cases. So we think all of that should be cited and put into your brief in support of your motion to dismiss. And what happens next? Well, you should be getting dismissals. Uh, we've been getting an enormous number of dismissals. For some courts, for some judges, uh, we've seen them dismissing 20 and 30 cases at a time. So you should absolutely be, be doing that. And I think that's an important uh, thing to be pursuing. All right. Now let's very briefly talk about what's less fun, which is handling run-of-the-mill provider claims. Aha. And really, these are where jurisdiction is not an issue. So this is where there is a New Jersey workers' comp claim. Uh, there is a New Jersey underlying New Jersey workers' compensation jurisdiction. And the medical provider is just unhappy about how much they got paid. So the first things uh, first, when we think about defending these cases, I want you to think, is there a contract between me and this provider? Uh, if there is a contract, stop. You can pay them directly under their contract. Remember, uh, you can set up your own PPO. You can set up your own uh, providers. You can choose and pick providers in New Jersey. Um, we see enormous penetration of provider networks in New Jersey, over 90%. So in general, uh, you should be under a contract or should have some controlling arrangement in advance. Uh, but of course, sometimes that's not true. Uh, for example, emergent treatment. Um, if, if there was no contract, your next steps are to issue basic discovery demands to opposing counsel, and that would be things like, well, I want to see what every other type of payer paid you, right? How does this provider get paid from other sources? How much? I want to think about whether the treatment was extraordinary or not. You know, was the doctor brought in uh, to do some kind of special one-of-a-kind one burn repair or some kind of special one-of-a-kind hand surgery that no one else on earth could have done and they had to be brought in specially and they couldn't ask for our advanced authorization or permission. Remember that other sources include cash payers, Medicare, Medicaid, private health insurance, and everything and anything else that pays the physician. And I promise you that once you actually start looking at other sources, you'll start discovering that the demand that they're making for what they're claiming is usual and customary is orders of magnitude too high based on what everybody else is paying. So when we negotiate these cases, you want to leverage your discovery demands. We need to file motions sometimes to compel discovery responses. We need to challenge the bill. And my advice is always to compare it to the actual medical records. Does the bill actually reflect the treatment that was provided? Let's also remember that if these cases go to trial, a witness needs to come forward for the medical provider. Oftentimes that would be the physician themselves or at least their 
uh, their office manager or director, someone who has very good understanding of their billing techniques and who pays them and how much they get paid. Because again, we'd be comparing all sources. Uh, that's going to be very costly for most medical providers. They don't want to lose a day out of the office to go to court to argue about a bill. So that's something to consider for your negotiation. What we do in my office is set up settlement days with our opposing counsel. Often uh, we have several hundred at any one time pending medical provider claims in this office. Uh, we do try to have good relations with opposing counsel and set up settlement days where we'll go in there and tell them, hey, we're going to try to settle 50 or 60 at a time. Uh, we have found that to be quite effective at negotiating closures of these. What's most important in these negotiations, in my opinion, is not letting our adversary give us only workers' compensation payers, because there's a lot of silly-hearted workers' comp payers, carriers, and self-insured employers who pay way too much, maybe, for certain treatments. Uh, and don't let your adversary weasel, weasel out of your discovery demands. Uh, that's the chief thing they try to ignore. They don't want to spend any money trying to recover this, these claims. I also tell our attorneys, don't let our adversaries use the build amount as an anchoring point. A starting point is not their demand because they're going to come in with an enormous demand. Again, an example of the meniscal knee repair, you know, they're demanding their usual and customary demand is uh, we get paid $60,000 for this. Well, that's interesting, but I don't consider that an anchoring point because, you know, my offer to you is going to be probably closer to $6,000. The next thing my adversary is going to say to us is, well, my demand was six. You offered six. Can we meet in the middle? Nope. Because in the middle, it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's completely made up. There's no reason for anyone to get close to the middle. And so my advice is don't use their build amount as an anchoring point. In fact, don't even acknowledge that it exists because that build amount is so crazy and no one actually ever pays it that it's not even worth considering when you're trying to anchor or negotiate a settlement of the case. All right, I think this has been um, a bit of a quick overview. I wanna point everybody to the handbook uh, that we publish, uh, chapter nine, which has a lot more in-depth including citations to both New York and New Jersey case law that you can use in your uh, filing your motions. I'm going to come over here and open up the questions pane, and I hope I have some good questions. Uh, so far, I don't see any questions, which must mean I did an amazing job, or somehow the audio is not working. I have... Uh, my assistant who said, great webinar, Greg. Well, thank you. Uh, I pay her to say that. Merry Christmas to you too, Lauren. Uh, if anybody else has any questions and you didn't get a time, a chance to type them in quickly, uh, please follow up with me. You can call me, you can email me. I'm very happy to get back to you and talk about this issue, which I'm very passionate about. I hope everyone has had a great uh, Christmas holiday and I hope you are looking forward to a wonderful New Year's. 2021 is gonna be better, people. All right. Have a great week and have a great New Year's Eve. Bye, everybody.